Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Well, hello, Father Parks. Beth Davis, how are you? So good. Glad to be with you. Good to be with you. Thanks so much for stepping in, pinch hitting for Jenna. Thank you for having me. Who went into labor as we were trying to record the last two episodes of the season. So who better to take her place? She's got big shoes, big shoes to fill. (laughs) Well, we're glad you're here, Father. Thank you. It's good to be here. Father, tell the people a little bit about yourself. My name is Father John Parks. I'm a priest, the Diocese of Phoenix, Arizona. I've been a priest for just over 11 years. I am the pastor of my home parish. It's kind of fun. Called St. Teresa's, which is in Phoenix. I have a little grade school there. And uh, it's great. The most challenging part about being a pastor is that you have no excuses. So every time you've ever thought to yourself, why isn't a parish doing this? You're like, oh no, I'm a pastor. We should be doing that. Mm. The best part I would say is you can just do stuff. Like you can be inspired with the Holy Spirit and then be, think, we should do that. And you talk to your staff, can we do that? And I'm like, Father, you're the pastor. Yeah. And I'm like, let's do that. So that can be kind of amazing. Father, what's your favorite thing? In the last 11 years of being a priest? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, one of the things I love about being a priest is just being a priest. In other words, that people see me, they know I'm a priest, and they're just, you can do things that aren't really available to other professions, or I know Mm. it's a vocation, but you know what I mean? Gosh, I don't know. All the, like, people I've encountered, the way the Lord's worked through all of that, it's been amazing. It's been a total adventure. So that's been amazing. I didn't really answer your question, but... My favorite thing okay. about you being a priest for the last 11 years is going to restaurants with you. Oh. <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to say Ireland, but you went with restaurants. <laughs> I, I mean... Like, we well, did go to Ireland once, I mean, but. I'm being a little silly, but it is very fun to go with you to restaurants. Thank you. I feel the same way because you and I are both ENFPs, mm-hmm. according to the Myers-Briggs personality test. Uh, we're naturally very encouraging people. Mm-hmm. So when you and I are together, it's like a, it's like a compliment caravan coming at people i'm always like i love your shoes you're like i love your earrings and then you and i are just yeah compliment and loving on people and Mm -hmm. zoned in zoned in and sometimes if jenna's there i feel like one out of three one out of four times we end up praying with or over our server yeah that's fun or anyone in the restaurant really that's (laughs) happened too that has also happened (laughs) yes we're just looking for opportunities when we're together which i love Yes, yes. I, I feel when I'm with you, I'm 10 times more powerful as an evangelist than wow. when I'm by myself. Yeah. I would say the same. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't have been offended if you were like, I'm going to go 1.5. No, no. I'd been like, oh, okay. No, hey. I just, you know, I felt bad like jumping on the bandwagon, but it's true. Yeah. There's something to it. The Lord sent out two by two. There must be something to it. Father, well done. Scripture. Okay, so let me catch you up. Yes. Jenna and I have been doing this podcast for about nine seasons. And this season, we've been chatting about things that are really dear to our hearts, kind of what the Lord's been unpacking in our own hearts the past few months. The fun thing is that all of our topics have started with the letter S. Ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. I love alliteration. What do you think we've talked about so far? Yikes. Scripture. No. No. Are you serious? I thought it was like the most obvious. Like, oh, this is it. No, uh, no scripture? Gosh. I mean, not, not specifically. We didn't do an episode on scripture. Sacred things. Nope. Silence. Father. Okay. Um, 
Gosh, I don't know. The son? As in Jesus? What? Um, no. Catholic things that start with <laughs> S. Um, Spiritual things that start with S. Sanctity? No. Okay, this was not a great question to go with. Can you tell me what they are? Yeah. What are they? Simplicity. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah. That's good, right? That is good. Surrender. Oh, mercy. Okay, now I see what kind of genre we're in. Okay, okay. We actually ended up doing two on surrender. Uh, suffering. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sabbath. Amen. Closely related to slow down. Okay, that, that was its own episode? Yeah. Wow. Different. Really rest kind of culminating in like the ultimate call, commandment, expression of rest being the Sabbath. I'm pretty sure we've talked about more things than that, but... Love it. Oh, we just talked about this last week, sexual sin. Okay. People probably didn't see that one coming. And I'm pretty sure we've had more than that. But that's off the top of my head. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Next time I'll try to be better. (laughs) If you were to pick an S word for us to talk about, what would it be? Starting again. What? Like how you get up after you fall. Wow. Like Nunc Chapey stuff. Okay. Starting again. Well, now I wish we were talking about that. No, it's okay. I was really hoping to talk to you about spiritual direction. Mostly because you're such an excellent spiritual director. You're not mine. He's not mine. He's not ours. He's our spiritual advisor for our ministry. Uh, But you're in formation to become a spiritual director. That's correct. Right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I'm with the Institute of Priestly Formation. And I attended their what's called seminarian program. It's a seminary. So I did an eight-day silent retreat. I spent about nine weeks doing that. Kind of a fun story. When I had called home, I was talking to my mom. And she's like, how's the summer going? And I said, mom, it's amazing. They're teaching us how to pray. And my mom said kind of vulnerably, you know, I've been Catholic my whole life. And sometimes I wonder if I, if I know how to pray. Wow. Which I totally get that. I feel that way probably totally. every four months. I'm like, do I know how to pray? <laughs> what am I doing when I pray? So I, I totally get that. And But anyway, so they also have a spiritual direction program for priests, which you spend basically three weeks a year for three years. Those weeks are separated. And you're, and that's how it works. Then at the end of the three years, you have it. So I'm on part three of year one, if that makes sense. So in February, I go away for a week, and then year one is over. Okay. Okay. And you did a silent retreat. That eight day was the start of the program? It was the second one. Oh. So one week of formation. The second one was an eight day silent retreat. And now we're about to have another week of formation. Wow. And then another eight day. Um, every year there'll be an eight day. Wow. Yes. Well, that's pretty incredible. I feel like you, what what the rules of discernment are to St. Ignatius of Loyola, I feel spiritual direction is to you. And by to the, me? Uh, yeah. I just feel like the Lord has taught you a lot about spiritual direction mm-hmm. just through like, you know, when you're a youth minister, I feel like teens just come to you with their stuff. And I also feel like when you just love people, mm-hmm. it's and you're, you're a good listener, which you're an excellent listener, I feel like it naturally sort of veers there, don't you? Thanks, Father. And I didn't even mention the well, so that's a whole other <laughs> I, about every four months, think I am not equipped to do this. <laughs> like, I am not holy enough. I am not responsible enough. I am not discerning enough. It I, is a profoundly humbling position to be in, to receive another person's heart, and in particular, a, a privilege, a humbling privilege to receive their prayer. Amen. It's so intimate. Totally. Like how people receive God is so intimate. Yeah. One of the things to say, I don't know who said the quote, but he said the most fruitful human activity is to receive God. 
Wow. Isn't that amazing? Say it again. People want to write that down. The most fruitful human activity is to receive God. And yet I feel like so often my own experience and, and just talking with women in the well, we sort of have to undo this temptation or this idea of prayer being about productivity Yes. rather than just receiving and kind of to rewire that as receptivity being fruitful and productive. Amen. But it looks different than kind of our human industriousness. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I'd say two things in that. First, uh, Marion. So mm. Mary's the model for all of us. Wow. And, you know, her, let it be done to me according to thy word. So it's just pure receptivity. Wow. And then with that, somebody once said, growing, maturing in the Christian life is becoming more childlike. <laughs> so you think like maturing your job is getting more efficient, more... Yeah. But in the Christian life, it's becoming more childlike, some more dependent, more open, more receptive, yeah. more. So, amen. Smaller, weaker. Amen, amen. More joyful, more free. That's very good, Father. We're off. We've begun, my friend. <laughs> we have begun, haven't we? Here we are. Did we start again? I was trying to work oh, that in. <laughs> I love it. I was trying. I was trying. I got you. I see you. Okay, so we get a lot of questions about spiritual direction. Um, where are they? <laughs> are there enough? No. Where are they? Isn't that people's like main question? So How do I get one? Yeah. I was talking with Kelsey. She's asking me all of these like super practical questions that we get like in DMs in the inbox because there is such a desire for spiritual direction. But I think we kind of need to back up because I don't want to assume that everyone knows what we're talking about when we say spiritual direction or I don't know that you think everyone needs a spiritual director. So can we just maybe start at the beginning? Yes. <laughs> what is spiritual direction? Excellent question. So can I answer your second question first, actually? Father, this is your this is your show. I don't think everyone needs a spiritual director. Great. This is helpful. So I think a person can become a saint mm -hmm. by loving the Lord. By, as the Second Vatican Council says, you know, of receiving or eating at the two tables, table of the word, table of the Eucharist. So they're entering into mass profoundly. They're entering into the word of God, scripture. Uh, they have spiritual friendship. We all need that. We all need spiritual accompaniment. But I don't know if everyone necessarily needs a spiritual director assigned to them. Okay. And so oftentimes in our tradition, books have been written about spiritual direction or most often written by religious who are in formal spiritual direction, basically their whole Christian lives, right? Yes. I think if you're a person in full-time ministry, you should be in spiritual direction. I also think if you're discerning something serious that's a good time to be in spiritual direction um i'm not saying it's always it's not a bad thing but i would just say strictly speaking it's not absolutely necessary does that make sense makes perfect sense. like is confession necessary yes is praying mm -hmm. absolutely okay from there i would say the model that's probably most easiest to say the kind that i practice is like a contemplative reflective model so what i what i what i would say i'm not saying is that when people come to spiritual direction when you don't know what it is i thought it was kind of like a drill sergeant like I show up and you just tell me what to do. Yes. Like I would show up with like a notebook, like, yes, ma'am. Direction. Say, yeah. Yeah. You just tell me what to do. Like, like give me 20 push-ups. You'd be like, go pray with this. So I'm like, okay, and I go do that. Yeah. That's part of spiritual direction. Sometimes your spiritual director will give you things. But the data of spiritual direction, in other words, what you're bringing is what God is revealing to you in prayer. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff of spiritual direction. As it's famously been said, if you're not praying, you don't need spiritual direction because there's nothing to direct. Father, the number of times I have quoted you on that is insane. Come on. 
people think that they need a spiritual director, but they don't have a routine of prayer, a daily prayer life. So I think they might fall into that category of thinking spiritual direction is I show up and you tell me what to do. Yes. Rather than I'm already in it with the Lord and I'm bringing the data of that prayer for my spiritual director to help me understand what the Lord is doing in my life. Amen. So that other person probably wants like a level of accountability mm. in direction on how to get started in a prayer life. Yes. But in the sort of reflective contemplative model, the reason why I'm just reflecting what I'm hearing or contemplating with you what God is doing, because you are receiving from the Lord and have built up a routine of prayer that you know how to do that. So in spiritual direction, I'm not only listening to you, I'm also listening to the Holy Spirit. So the most important person in spiritual direction is the Holy Spirit. The second most important person is the directee. The third most important person way down the list would be the director. Mm. But I'm sort of listening to you, I'm listening to what the Holy Spirit's doing, and I'm listening to myself as I listen to you. Because I might be stirring up things within my own heart. Totally. That I need to be aware of so I'm not like projecting that on you, you know? So that's what's going on. So spiritual direction, I would say, is when I'm sitting with a person, trying to hear what God is doing in their life, both so I can reflect that back, which both kind of strengthens the grace mm. and gives them more clarity on how God is working in their life. So sometimes you can make connections between what the person said, and like, oh, that's really helpful. God seems to work in your life this way. Yeah. Or you can actually ask a good penetrating question and you can see the grace kind of return in the moment, mm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. like as the person that you can see them re-experiencing kind of a prayer time and it's like utterly amazing. So that's cool. Yes. That is what you just described is my experience with my now spiritual director. Who you say is? Unbelievable. Primo. Unbelievable. <laughs> a true grace. She's a gift from God. And uh, my experience as spiritual director, direction is prayer, basically. We're just praying. She's not even looking at me necessarily. It's virtual. But she's, I can tell she's just like listening to the Lord. That's it. Listening to me, listening to the Lord as she's listening to me. Yes. Or who is listening to me, really. I think one of the marks of a great spiritual director is it doesn't feel like they're doing much of anything. <laughs> By that I mean... They're so tuned in. They're so just following what the Lord is doing that it just felt like that was the most obvious, logical next question. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're just like, it sounds like this is going on. You're like, yes. Mm -hmm. Or it sounds like God is doing this. You're like, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, you should spend more time with that. Man, but we need permission to do that. Mm. I find in the well that I'm largely just saying to people, stay right there. Like, yes. stay with that. It's so good. There's this this um, temptation in me to like brush past something in prayer or um, minimize it or a favorite of the enemy to be like, oh, that was, you made that up. Yes. You know, that was all you. That wasn't the Lord. And then, you know, I'm kind of, I, I diminish it. And then I bring it to spiritual direction, even kind of sheepishly. Here's this thing that's going on. And I'm like moved even <laughs> describing it, which... That's something, you know? Yes. And she gives me the ability to receive it more deeply in that moment and affirms how real it was. Because prayer is real. God is real. Those experiences with him are real. More real than you and I talking right here. Amen. Yeah, and I would say the biblical foundation of what you're saying is, is when Jesus simply says, remain in me. Mm. Remain in me. Wow. 
And uh, the Greek word menos, M-E-N-O-S, can be defined as like abide or remain. It's like a constant theme in John's gospel and all his his letters. It just remain in me, remain, abide in me, abide in me. So you're right. If if we're in a productive mindset, it's like, okay, the Lord revealed something. We're waiting for him to reveal another thing. Yes. Rather than like go deeper in that thing. So sometimes I'll ask people, if somebody writes you a love letter, how many times can you read it? And they're just like, oh, like an infinite amount. And I said, when should you most read it? Like, I don't know. I'm like, think about it. Like, I guess when I most doubt it. Yes. Wow. You, you know, if a man wrote a, a love letter to a woman that goes off to World War II, and then she's like doubting, you know, that's the precisely the moment when she should reread the letter. He's like, I love you. I'm always going to, I'll come back, you know, all the things. Father, were you reading my journal from my <laughs> five day? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as I say in other churches, he read my mail. He's in wow. my pew. <laughs> Wow, that's, I've never heard it that way. That's very good. That's fun. Well, I would say one of the the foundational things I've learned, I'm trying to learn deeper and deeper, is you're just trying to rest and receive. Mm. That's that's largely what you're trying to do in prayer, which seems like you're cheating. Um, So, but yeah, just what we're saying, that the Lord is revealing himself and we need to uh, receive that. Something you said earlier, which I think is interesting to explore, which is not exactly on topic, but I think spiritual direction helps, Okay, is why we distrust the things the Lord tells us. Wow. Like he reveals these things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have such a hard time believing. As you said, like, oh, that was just me. Is that something you like run into in prayer for yourself? I would say, it's so funny that we're talking about this because I literally, oh boy, we had a conversation with some priests recently about this and we were all talking about it. And he was, he just got off a retreat and he was saying, he, he kind of had, that will sometimes be a temptation. Mm. Mine is more like, I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. So mine is more of a question of like competency. Okay. Like, I don't know, like, what am I doing? How does a person pray? What mm. is this? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's not like I've never heard from the Lord. I don't know how to do that. So I think it's probably related. They're probably like cousins. Sure. Those temptations. That's a constant temptation for me. I'm very suspicious of my own heart, my own prayer. It's something that my spiritual director has been, it's been very healing for me to bring that to her myself, to like voice that. But then for her to even hear it in things that I'm saying where I'm not even aware mm. that I'm suspicious of my own prayer. That's good. Yeah. She'll say, like, don't judge yourself there. I'm like, <laughs> need a holy hour? She can hear the tone. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's really good. That's really good. I, I think one of the remedies, if we took a page out of St. Ignatius's book, mm-hmm. is to tell another person. Totally. So I think one, when you're doubting, you're like, I don't want to tell anyone about that doubt. Because sometimes I've had the experience where I might doubt an experience. But even as I'm articulating it to my director, or it could even just be a spiritual friend. Totally. I, I feel the, the power of them lessening just as they come out of my mouth. Yeah. Like, oh, that's not true. Like you say it and you're like, oh, that's, a, that's an attack from the evil one. I think one of, the, one of the cool questions in spiritual direction, you know, Ignatius, like whose voice is it? What are they saying? Is when somebody expresses something like that, it's just very clear. It's a temptation of the evil one. It's mm. the voice of accusation. As the director will simply say something like, Whose voice is that? Yes. And you just know immediately like, oh, yeah, that's not my father. Yeah. Can you break that down? Whose voice might that be if people aren't familiar with 
discernment of spirits or? Yeah, I think it'd be either God, the world, or the, the evil one. I'd say sort of broadly speaking. It could also be kind of our own voice in some ways. Sure. And so as Ignatius says, you judge a tree by its fruits. So if um, if a voice is of the Lord, it's going to have peace or it's going to have joy or it's going to move me to faith, hope, and love, yeah. consolation. If a voice is not of the Lord, it's going to have a voice of accusation, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt. These are kind of the, the feeling of it, the yeah. affect of them. And it's more than just like earthly emotions. It's something deep in that, kind of spiritual movements that directly bear bear on our life of faith, following the Lord, faith, hope, and love. So as you as you get into it, you get better at just kind of like knowing the difference between like a spiritual consolation or desolation and something like a natural consolation, like, you know, I don't know, like a warm bath or something, which would be like a physical consolation, yeah. you know, which is good, or a compliment, which which is good. But but we're talking about something kind of a little deeper than that. Okay. Can we for a second, because I, I love that you brought up natural consolation. Could you maybe play spiritual director here and just define what is spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation? How are we aware of those in prayer versus natural desolation? Yeah. So I would say for spiritual consolation, it's, a, it's an increase of desire for faith, hope, and love. There is fundamentally, I would say, a fervency for the things of God. I want to go closer to God, a desire for him, and the things of God. While spiritual desolation, as Ignatius said, is just the opposite of all of that. Mm. So a kind of a weakening in faith, hope, and love, and not a spiritual desire for those things. So I could have fundamentally a, a spirit of consolation in my life. I want to grow closer to the Lord, a desire for faith, hope, and love. Then something can happen that makes me have a bad day. I don't know, like I have an awkward conversation with my spouse or my roommate or a friend. It puts me in a little bit of like an emotional funk. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a natural desolation. Yeah. But fundamentally, I still have this like yearning for the Lord. Sometimes though, because we're complex human beings and our like our wills, our hearts, our affects, our spiritual, that's all intertwined with each other. So therefore, sometimes a natural desolation can lead to spiritual desolation. Okay. Like I have a rough conversation with a friend of mine. It's just not great. It's kind of like, ugh, that kind of feeling. But then the evil one kind of jumps in there. Totally. And starts like, you know, accusing you. And, and that can just kind of move me, kind of slide me into a, a, a desolate, a desolation, spiritual desolation. So that's how you're kind of going all, you know, we're complex people. Mm-hmm. All those factors are things that we say and do. Mm-hmm. I just, it was helpful to me just to learn that, yeah, just to learn the difference between spiritual and natural, because it is possible that you could just not be in a great place in life and assume that that means you're in spiritual des- desolation and you're not praying. I don't, I'm not articulating that right. Yeah. And sometimes we said the big three, as far as on the natural plane is, am I sleeping enough? Mm. Am I eating pretty healthy? Okay. And am I exercising? <laughs> Those are just like really three natural things. Wow. If you're not sleeping well, life just is hard. Mm-hmm. You're tired. You're kind of frustrated, annoyed. You can't think straight. Yeah. So anyway, that could all be playing into a, to a desolation that's just kind of you're in a funk. Yeah. But it's not necessarily spiritual desolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Another question I have about spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I just wonder if you can maybe talk about the difference between like the need for a spiritual director and like counseling or even pastoral counseling. Yeah. So again, I think there's some, there's some overlap there. Okay. Because again, we're, we're the kind of people that have hearts and wills and bodies and affections and all that. 
But I would say in the spiritual direction thing, I'm primarily interested in what God is doing. While I think a therapist is kind of primarily related to maybe the human connectivity and how that's affected you and how you um, relate in relationships, you know? So um, somebody had a very painful experience. Um, my parents' divorce was very painful to me, obviously. It caused a wound in me that at the time I didn't think was that serious, but I've learned, quite frankly, from an eight-day silent retreat, I had kind of a profound encounter with the Lord. Mm. And I think somebody would, who's a spiritual director would say, tell me about that. They would listen to it, just like a therapist and spiritual director should be good listeners. But they would want to know, I think, fundamentally, and what that did to my heart and how that may have changed how I think about God. Mm. Is God is faithful? Is he true? If he's a loving father, then why has my father not been perfect? So on yeah. and so forth. Well, maybe a therapist would hear that story and think more about how has that affected your relationships today? Now, again, those are, those are deeply related. But again, I think uh, spirit direction is primarily related on what, what is God doing? What lies do we believe about him? But it's all connected, as you know, because sometimes somebody has that spiritual healing. Yeah. And then they're more free to enter into earthly relationships. Totally. Because love of God and love of neighbor are inseparable. Totally. Does that make sense? That was so helpful. And I think both are so necessary. We do need help, I think, to walk through those like emotional things and relationships and memories. And you can do that in prayer. And it's important to see who God is and what God's doing in prayer. But I will just never stop encouraging people to go to counseling. Amen. And, you know, to, to an earlier point we made about spiritual direction versus other things, sometimes when people meet with me, again, it's not bad, but, um, and they're, they don't have like a common prayer life, I would say it becomes like pastoral counseling. Sure. Which, okay. which again, is not, is not a bad thing. I think spiritual direction is pretty common for us to ask priests for. Like, hey, will you be a spiritual director? Yeah. <laughs> but then we spend more, the majority of the time talking about human dynamics or relational dynamics, familial dynamics. Again, all good, but strictly speaking, it's not like the heart of spiritual direction. Okay, related but separate. I had this this experience. I I just got back from a five-day silent retreat. Come on. And um, I had this really beautiful experience of prayer that was sort of new for me. I found on this retreat, the Lord was doing or saying something. And that was the most important thing. Wait for it. (laughs) And then he would sort of bring to the forefront of my mind a situation, a relationship, a memory, and apply that thing that he was very deeply like writing upon my heart or washing over me. He would apply it to that thing. But the thing wasn't nearly as important as my experience of God revealing himself to me. Whereas I find normally in prayer, I come in kind of with that like pastoral counseling point of view. I bring this thing to the Lord that I want to work on, that I want to pray about. I could use some clarity or direction. And then the Lord will say something and I'm, I'm very much worried about the thing and not so much about relating with the Lord. Does that make yes. sense? So to experience the opposite of that, just God being everything and seeing very gently how he touches and cares about and is attentive to everything is different than me like frantically asking him to answer this thing that I think is so urgent. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, people are not like projects to be fixed. They're persons to be loved. Yeah. So the Lord is, he's about relationship. 
And I think that's just a great point. When I was in seminary, I would say 50% of my, my spiritual director's job was I would tell him about a situation going on in my life. And then he would say something really simple like, and when you related that to the Lord, what did he say? And I'd be like, I don't know. And I would think to myself, sometimes I told everyone about this thing. Like I'm yeah. falling in love with the lunch lady at seminary. What am I going to do? <laughs> so I'm telling all my seminary friends. I'm telling, you know, my formators, whatever. Tell my teachers. But, you know, doing holy hours, you know, praying, reading scripture. But when asked directly by my yeah. spiritual director, what did the Lord reveal when you just related to him like you're, you just related to me now? And then you waited on his response. I'd be like, I don't know. So anyway, I, I absolutely agree. Sometimes we can, because we think like this is a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. And so I'm looking for like answers rather than just like a child bringing it to the Lord and be like, hey, there's this thing. And sometimes it's the best when you have like a problem, especially like <laughs> you go on a retreat and you're like, I want to figure this thing out. And immediately the Lord's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Totally. Every time. It's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Every holy hour, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Lord, I want to, who should I hire for this person at the parish? Yeah. And you get in the prayer time. He's like, you're my beloved son. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I've, I've, I struggle to explain what you're explaining very beautifully, that like the Lord doesn't care about that. He cares like infinitely about it. But it's only because he cares about you. Yes. Here's a way. Maybe, maybe we could say what the Lord is doing in you mm. is so much more important than what's going on outside of you. Wow. So it's not like those things are unimportant, but they're still like kind of instruments in his hands mm. where he's trying to really do this thing inside of you. He's trying to build something inside of you, you know? Yeah. So anyway, maybe that's the, the distinction. At the risk of um, this just being like a fangirl episode about my spiritual director. One big surprise to me when I began meeting with her is that oftentimes I was bringing things to her from my own prayer around the question of my vocation, my longing, things that uh, promises that the Lord had given me or, or words in scripture or hopes that I had. And nearly every time she just like very gently sets that aside. Like, no, we don't need to, like, let's come back to the Lord. I would just get so hyper-focused on an answer and a timeline and decoding this thing, right? As if God is like a Riddler. <laughs> and she just every time has me set aside this big question, this like very tender, important question, and just come back to the Lord. I love that. I had an experience where I was at a family pool party. That's called an attention getter. <laughs> And so, you know, I have 22 nieces and nephews, so the kids are on the pool. Is that right? 22? Yeah. You know, I have five siblings. So it's just like a delightful, fruitful event. All these people around. And then at one point, um, my nephew, Thaddeus, had to go. Like, dad's like, all right, buddy, we got to go. Mm. So he gets out of the pool. And I have this memory where he's his dad is holding him and they're like leaving. And he's looking over his dad's shoulders and he's looking at the pool. And all the kids, other kids are still playing in their families. And he was just saying... Dad, I don't like it, Dad. I don't like it. I don't like it, Dad. I don't like it. He's just like saying this over and over. Yeah. And um, he's 14. No, it's just joking. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. He's like five. I don't know. Four at the time. And later I was praying, and the Lord brought that memory back to mind. And I just felt like he was saying to me, sometimes in life, I want to tell him about a situation, and I don't like it. Or I'm like, Lord, do this. And then he just reminded me, like, as Thaddeus is saying that, 
even though he's he's expressing displeasure, he's doing it in his father's arms. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing. He's wow. in his father's arms, which is the best place to be. So to your point, I feel like that happens all the time where you, you're trying to like fix a problem and the Lord's like, you just, just tell me about it. But it's really like an excuse for communion, you know, mm-hmm. it's an excuse for snuggling. Rela- yeah. Relationship. <laughs> uh, that's not, it's, <laughs> I might, the feminine heart might relate a little more to me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, even though we called this, um, we intended to talk about spiritual direction. I just feel like maybe we should talk about prayer. When you say that prayer is the data of spiritual direction. I would say even more what the Lord is revealing in prayer. Okay. Is the data of spiritual direction. Okay. So trying to just put the the initiative on the Lord. Love that. So um, prayer is ultimately what the Lord is doing in us. Mm-hmm. As the paragraph number one of the catechism says, at every time and at every place, God draws close to man. Every time, every place. Whoa. So yeah. So prayer is learning to receive that. Yeah. It's just reminding me of my... One of my favorite catechism references. Which is? It's like paragraph 25 or 26. It's also like right at the beginning. Faith is man's response to God. I, it's like not even the whole sentence. That's like <laughs> a middle chunk of the sentence. But I just have to constantly wrap my head and my heart around this reality that it's not up to me. I am not the one pursuing God. I am. I don't love him more than he loves me. Sometimes I can fall into that. Like, gosh, I'm putting in all the effort here, Lord. But that's backwards. My faith is only a response. And if this is my desire for the Lord, imagine how much, like if that's just a reflection, how yes. much more does the Lord desire me? Amen. Somebody once said I, I, something like, I think it was by Giassani. Luigi Giassani was the founder of the communion liberation. Mm. It's something like, it sounds crazy. Only a saint could say this, you know. I don't think Giussani is the same, but he's a very holy guy. Um, like the protagonist of history is the beggar hmm. who is God. He's like yearning that we would love him. Father, did I ever read you that? Did I ever send you that poem by um, Jessica Powers? I don't know. Sister Miriam of the Holy Spirit. She's a Carmelite. Jenna and I have basically read her poetry out loud on like every episode this <laughs> season. So it's kind of crazy that you just said that. She has this poem called The Master Beggar. And it's just the most vivid, piercing image of like a naked, hungry, begging Jesus, like asking for love. And her giving and giving and giving and saying like, is it not enough that I gave you my life in the convent? Is it not enough that I gave you the children I would have loved? Wow. Yeah. Like how entreating God is of her love. I'm not, this is not of the Lord, but there's just like a part of my heart that's like, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, can we say that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is the Lord that good? Yeah. You know, when somebody once said, Christianity is not too hard to believe sometimes, it's too good to believe. Yeah. But the Lord is, he's on the move. He's pursuing us. He's yearning for us. He thirsts for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <gasps> One of the most healing things I learned on this past five day and I shared this with you the other day but you know kind of coming back to that idea of like this is too good like this has got to be me because there's just no way you know I'm just coming up with this myself and (laughs) my spiritual director for the retreat said to me like sometimes we have to kind of step back and ask ourselves 
is, is that something I want to hear? And the answer is yes. The question is, would you have believed it if you said it yourself? No. So you know it was the Lord. Amen. Yes. If it was on my own authority. Eh. Totally. How many times have I tried to put those words in my heart or even in the Lord's mouth? But even reading them in scripture, I didn't believe them until God gave me the grace to believe them. Wow. Wow. I wonder if you just articulated the difference between like books about like the power of positive thinking mm. and receiving from the Lord in prayer. Wow. Yeah. Is it my own exercise mm-hmm. or whether I'm really allowing Jesus to love me in a place where it's tough for me to receive love, you know? I mean, essentially, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, you know? Amen. He comes alive in us when we pray, and he makes our prayer come alive for us so that we might receive what's already ours. Love, mercy, mercy, kindness, goodness, every, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from the Father. Can I tell you a story? (laughs) Please. I don't know if you've ever wondered, this happens to Luke's gospel, you know, Jesus is praying. And have you ever wondered, how did Jesus pray? Like, what did he say? What, What kind of posture? What did he say to the Father? How did he pray in the Spirit? How did Jesus pray? We do know that when he prayed, it was so attractive that people would say, like, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. Some years ago, I wanted to see the Jimmy Fallon show. So I was in New York with my mom and our friend Angie. We just got done seeing Les Miserables on Broadway. We get out. It's like 12.45 in the morning. I go to the NBC studios. It's packed with security guards. There's all the security guards ever. I walk up to a random one, tap on his shoulder, and said, Sir, I would like tickets to the Jimmy Fallon show. He said, Well, you should have signed up about three months ago online. Then if you get a ticket, then you would have printed it out and brought it. But you can line up outside at like three o'clock in the morning. And then they, you know, they open the doors at like nine. And then people who didn't claim their tickets that they already have online, if there's any people who don't show up, then they'll take people from that line. Just in case anybody ever wants to go see Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Now you know. <laughs> So I was like, I told the man, so what you're saying is I'm not going to see Jimmy Fallon. He's like, yes. I'm like, okay. And then he says to me, Father, what are you doing right now? I said, oh, nothing. I'm just, my, 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 I'm out, my mom's outside and our friend Angie. And he's like, you want to tour the building? I was like, sure. He's like, why don't you come on in? So we go inside. Just met this guy. We go inside. He like, uh, he's like, let's go over here. So we go to the security office. We get like security badges. I'm like, this feels kind of formal. Then I see him talking to other security guards. I'm like, I think this guy's kind of important. Then at one point, we go into this elevator, and he has, like, special tags to go on floors can't go to. We go to the top floor, and then we walk in to, like, the Saturday Night Live studio. Mm. Remember, I was a theater major in college. I like improv comedy. So I was like, this is wild. So I'm, like, looking at the stage, and I'm there with my, my mom and our friend Angie and this guy. And I say, wow, it's all that smaller in person. He's like, that's what everybody says. <laughs> I was like, can I stand on that stage? He's like, yeah, go ahead. Wow. So I stand on the stage. Then he shows us Jimmy Fallon suit. So he's, like, showing us all this stuff. When it was over, I remember he like said, said goodnight. This goes on for like 45 minutes. We, we leave and my mom and my friend Angie turns to me right when he's like out of our presence. And they're like, how do you know him? I was like, I just met him. I tapped on his shoulder. So anyway, I tapped on the shoulder of the head of security for the entire building who just uh, happened to be Catholic. Praise the Lord. No way. <laughs> yeah. And he was the only one in that whole room that could have given us access to all those places. Yeah. The reason why I told that entire story. It's because if you've been baptized, you have access to the Father like Jesus. 
you have access to the Spirit like Jesus. You can pray like Jesus prayed. That's a fact. What's unique about the prayer of Jesus, the catechism says, is it's filial nature. That he prays like a son. The Latin word is filius. But we can now pray like sons and daughters in the son. It says in Romans 8, like the, the spirit is, is the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. Isn't that wild? Yeah. And it's on the level of identity. Mm. Like, well, I don't feel like it. Who cares? Do I feel like the son of Margaret and Steve? <laughs> Do I feel like an American citizen? I don't know. But, but I am an American citizen. I am the son of Margaret and Steve. That's right. who I am. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, I just think that's, that's objectively true. So I don't know. If we wanted a prayer like that, we'd have much more of an expectant heart. Mm-hmm. And anyone listening right now who's been baptized, they have been immersed in Trinitarian love. Mm. I mean, come on. I mean, there, there's something so important about many things that you're saying. But when you're saying I don't feel like it, that doesn't matter. It, it just is. Amen. I just think we can't say that enough. You're not always going to feel it in prayer. Doesn't mean you're not loved. Doesn't Amen. mean God's not real. Doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan for your life just because you're not feeling it. Amen. Thanks, BD. Final thoughts? Um, I think the two most important things with prayer, and I was talking about resurrection, they yeah. should start and not stop. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You should start and not stop. So that's really it. Wow, that's very good. <laughs> Father, could you close us in prayer? Yeah, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God, our Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to fan into flame the Holy Spirit you've given to us at baptism and confirmation. We pray that we'd be aflame with your love. We pray that you would pour once again your love into our hearts. Give us a trust like a child to love you, to know you, to be dependent on you. That we would live our lives for your glory and for our good. We pray this, Jesus, in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father. Thank you. That was so fun. Wow. We did it. See you next week. (laughs) Next week, yes. (laughs) I know, you'll be here. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.